0: Thank you for that good song. Open your Bibles once again, please, to Proverbs in chapter 29. And verse 18. Not often that we have a Scripture reading of one verse only, but we do today. And again, the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. Last Sunday, we spoke about a A man from the Bible, he was blind. His name was Bartimaeus. And we saw that how, although he was physically blind, he was not opportunity blind. And when he heard that Jesus was coming through his town of Jericho, and by the way, it was the last time that Jesus ever went through Jericho, blind Bartimaeus, who was not opportunity blind, jumped on the bandwagon and he began to cry, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the townspeople said, hush, be quiet. This is an important man. He's coming through town. But he would not hush. He would not be quiet. He saw his opportunity as being his last opportunity. And indeed it was. If he had kept silence, he never would have been brought to Jesus. But he lifted up his voice all the more and cried out, Jesus, thou son of David. He was recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ. And he cried out, have mercy upon me. And finally, they brought him to Jesus. And Jesus healed him of his blindness. You know, it is sad that some people let opportunity after opportunity slip through their fingers. Until there are no more opportunities. And then they die. That's sad. Last Sunday also we talked about not just physical blindness, but we talked about some other types of blindness. And of course, the one we've mentioned already is opportunity blind. Where the opportunity is staring you in the face and you don't even see it. Then, of course, there's being family blind. Not realizing the gift of God you've been entrusted with if you have family. Just thinking, well, they'll always be here. And you know, maybe they won't. Maybe one day you'll wake up and all of them or some of them will be gone. I know a man that happened to. All his family. Gone. And then, of course, the third type that we mentioned was being spiritually blind. And I think that's probably the worst kind of blindness. Worse than physical blindness is being spiritually blind. Where essentially you're spiritually dead in sin and trespasses and you're not going to heaven. Then, of course, there are those Christians that may not be 100% spiritually blind, but they're like nearsighted and they cannot see afar off. They can't, they can't see what God would have for them. They're spiritually blind. Praise the Lord, we have a great physician that can heal any and all of these things. Today, we're going to take this idea of vision one more step. And we're going to talk today about the vision that God wants us to see. And that's here in Proverbs 29. First, let's bow our heads for prayer. Prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You're a prayer-answering God. It's with joy that we come to the throne of grace today. Lord, we're not worthy, we realize it. We don't deserve a moment of Your time. But Heavenly Father, we know that in Christ Jesus, You will accept us. And so we do come in the merits and the righteousness of our Savior Jesus. And we ask, Lord, that You would please be near and dear to us right now. Please bless the preaching. Keep a hedge of protection, Lord, around the building today. Father, I pray for every soul here today that you'd help them to focus in on the Word of God and what you would have for them. The old devil is very crafty and as the Word of God goes forth, the devil finds ingenious ways to take it away, snatch it up, to cover it, to brush it or dust it away. Lord, I pray that the Word of God would find a home in every heart. Father, if there be one or more who's not yet been truly born again, help them to do that today, even where they sit right now. I pray for all of us that you'd give us eyes to see. Help us, Lord, to have a, a real vision, your vision, not ours, not the world's. Lord, give us the vision, we pray, for what you'd have us to do, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is an amazing verse here in verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, and uh, in essence, what Solomon is doing in this verse is he's making a comparison. He's comparing the joy of being able to see with the joy that comes from obeying God there's a very interesting parallel that he's drawing here. The joy of being able to see and the joy of obeying the Lord. Now when Solomon says these words, where there is no vision, the people perish, I believe that he's speaking absolutely literal truth here. That if everyone were to suddenly go 100% totally blind, it wouldn't be long before everyone would die. The people perish. If everyone in the world, some 8 billion people, were to suddenly go completely and totally, 100% blind, then according to this verse in the Bible, everyone would eventually perish. They may not perish that instant, but they would perish from off the earth. Even the blind people would. You say, but the blind people already live in darkness, why would they perish? Because the blind people, to a great extent, are dependent upon the seeing people in order to make their way in the world. Now think about this with me for a moment. If everyone in the world were suddenly to go blind, what would happen to all of the people right this very moment who are driving automobiles, riding on motorcycles, powering buses along busy highways, trains, airplanes, ships, submarines even, You know what would happen, there would be worldwide disaster, these things would crash, millions of people would die instantly all over the world. What would happen if everyone suddenly went blind that are living in very, very hot climates and very, very cold places on the earth, where they would die from the elements? There would be no emergency services, no 911 to call. In fact, every fire department around the world would stop functioning because they're all dependent on sight. Those people that would still be alive would suffer all kinds of life-threatening accidents and diseased people could receive no medical help. Fires that are currently burning, and I heard that there's a record number of fires burning right now in our province. But fires that are currently burning would burn out of control and end up consuming entire cities. Hundreds of millions of people would perish. All of the hospitals all over the world would stop functioning. They'd grind to a halt in a moment. Millions of people Who are right now undergoing surgeries would quickly die because there's no one to see how to treat the wounds and no one to be able to close up the surgeries. Sick people would wander and spread their diseases and sicknesses. Think of it with me if everyone all over the world suddenly went blind, all of the farms and all of the food processing manufacturers would come to a stop. There'd be no more food being produced. People will eventually starve while others would fight and kill for what little food they could find, all groping in the darkness. People who owned guns would be very quick to shoot to death anyone who approaches and comes near them. There would be no police. There would be no military to help us. Fear and panic would grip men's hearts all over the world. You know it. Think about this. If everyone all over the world were suddenly to go blind, governments would instantly fall apart and mayhem would break out all over the world. In every jail, in every prison around the world, there'd be pandemonium. We'd have no way of defending ourselves even from animal attacks. Fear and suicide would drive literally billions of people into the jaws of death. If everyone suddenly and instantly went 100% blind. Now, according to the World Health Organization, there are about 40 million people in the world today that truly are 100% blind. There's a whole lot more that have partial vision, but as far as 100% blindness, there's about 40 million, according to the uh, World Health Organization. Now, that equals about one-half of 1% of the world's population. So if you have the the blessing of eyesight, even if you can only look out of one eye, you are a blessed person. I'll tell you that. But you know what? If everyone all of a sudden went instantly blind, those 40 million totally blind people around the world would become the leading experts on how to survive. Isn't that right? Because they already are used to a world of darkness. However, according to Jesus Himself in Matthew 15, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. So Solomon's words are true. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But all oh, the sweet happiness of being able to see. Aren't you so glad that you can see? The blessing of vision. Being able to see makes life happy and full and rich. Sight gives us depth and richness of color. It enables us to associate sounds with the things that are making the sound. It it gives us the ability to protect ourselves from harm. It gives us the joy of being able to see the, the, the faces of our children. My wife's father is now in heaven. When he was 35, he began going blind the medical experts told him he had maybe 5 years left of sight before he went totally blind god in his goodness gave him 30 or 35 years and finally all that was left was a little pinhole on his left eye and he had to move around until he can get something just in focus and i remember once when he was we had the grandchildren there And he was looking and looking and finally he caught sight in that tiny pinhole of the face of one of his grandchildren. And the joy came to his face when he saw the face of his grandchild. You know, sight is a wonderful thing. Sight, the ability to see, is what confounded, dumbfounded Charles Darwin. He couldn't figure out the eyeball. He just couldn't figure out sight. He kind of gave up on that one. Well, folks, we don't have to give up on that one. We don't have to give up on any of them because we know God is the Creator, don't we? He sure is. And I hope that you're thankful to the Creator today for your sight. And if if you can get up and walk around, some of you have trouble getting up and walk around. Do you remember the days when you could just jump up and jump down, roll around, jump back up? They're long gone for some of us. We'd try it, but we'd pass out. Right? The blood would rush from our head and we'd be in La La Land or something. Remember when you were a kid and you could do this and spin around and around in circles? Round and around and around, you go like a spinning top, and then you go, ah ha 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 for a few moments. Well you tried that now. <laughs> and it's nine one one. You thank God for the blessings that He's given you. And the the blessing of being able to see. What a wonderful blessing from God that He's blessed us with. Yes, yes, it's a happy experience. But now Solomon here compares that happy experience of being able to see with the happy experience of being obedient to God. And so he says, where there is no vision, the people perish. That's pretty lonely, pretty dark, pretty sad. Now here's the sunny side of the street. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Did you know you don't have to be able to see with your eyes to be able to obey God? And so even if you have darkening vision today, even if the the thickness of your uh, reading glasses are looking more like the bottom of Coke bottles or something, and maybe if your eyes are starting to go dim, the good news is that you can still be happy and very joyful in the Lord by obeying Him. Your joy is not dependent solely upon your ability to see, although being able to see is a wonderful thing. It is. Well, we have this comparison now. In the New Testament, we're told to be doers of the word and not hearers only. What does James go on to say? What do we do to ourselves if we're just hearers only? We what? We deceive our own self. That's right. You come to church and you hear the Word of God preached and you say, that was nice, and you forget all about it. You are a hearer of the Word and not a doer of the Word. You're deceiving yourself. What are you talking about deceiving myself? I'll have you know I'm a very successful person in life. You're a deceived person if you're not a doer of the Word. I didn't make that up. That's what God wrote. Solomon compares the experience, the happy experience of being able to see... With the happy experience of learning to obey God. The happiest people in the world are those who have learned how to obey God. That's very simple, isn't it? That's very profound truth, though, as well. And so, from this first half, now that we've we've talked about what it really means here in this verse 18, this first half of the verse, we can now, we are now able to make a legitimate application to other things. Where there is no vision, the people perish. We understand what Solomon is getting at, but now we can make a legitimate application. And one of those things to which we need to make an application is the overall vision, if you will, that God has given to us as a church for us to do. It's His will for our lives. And we call this uh, His vision for us. Now our vision comes from His Word, the Word of God. And in it, God tells us, us to reach the lost, to go after lost people with the gospel and teach them and help them to know how to be saved. Our vision has to do with seeing the lost folks and winning the lost folks and teaching them to be strong believers so that they in turn can help win lost folks and train them and on it goes. Doing what God tells us to do actually makes us happy. Happy is He that doeth the law. He that keepeth the law, happy is he. Life becomes full. Life becomes rich. My Christian friend, if you're a hearer of the word, you're deceiving yourself. My Christian brother, my Christian sister, if you're not a doer of the word, you you don't know the fullness and the joy that's there waiting for you. You'll know a little smile here and a little chuckle there, but that's it. You will not know. The great joy that God wants to and can easily give you if you become a doer of the Word, one who obeys Him. So how do we accomplish God's vision? We accomplish God's vision for our church through several avenues, several means, and I'll list them for you. Number one is the regular Sunday and Wednesday church services. This is our basis. This is our platform Without that, we can't really do much else. And so we have our very first means of, of accomplishing God's will is just being part of the local church. But then we have four more special ministries. Number one is our worldwide missions program. Our marching orders are to go into all the world and, and win them to Christ, to preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark 16, 15. And so we do that Through missionaries. That's why we support 71 missionaries and we want to take on three more missionaries. Today, if possible. We've got the the empty frames put up there. All these pictures that you see on the left and the right. They're pictures of missionaries that we support and we pray for. It's not enough just to throw money at a missionary. You must pray for your missionary because the prayer does what the money can't. And the prayer will follow the missionary wherever he or she might be. The prayer will envelop them with a hedge of protection. The prayer will help open to them the windows of God's blessing and the riches of His storehouse. The prayer will help endue that missionary with power and unction from on high in order to accomplish and to bring forth fruit. Every Wednesday night, Brother Howard comes and reads a couple of letters from our missionaries. Our missionaries are always sending in letters, all the time, all the time. And he picks a couple of them and comes and reads, and then he gives us reports as to what's happening, how many souls they've led to Christ according to their letters. And I believe that we're well over 700 this year so far. I think we'll make a thousand. We'll see a thousand souls saved through our missionaries. That's through the missionary program of this church. If you're here and you're involved in helping to support missionaries, then part of that is credited to your account in heaven. It's so vital, so important that every Christian be on this bandwagon and get involved with faith promise missions. That's just one of our avenues. Then, of course, we've got our local soul-winning program. We use that to try and reach our city. We're missionaries too. This is the map of our city over here. It's our Jerusalem. It's the city of Surrey. It shows you in picture form where the streets are, but it doesn't show you the souls of the 600,000 that are living in Surrey and calling Surrey their home. And how many of those six hundred? thousand are saved and on their way to heaven, and how many are still in spiritual blindness and darkness and on their way to hell. And it's our job to do everything we can to try and reach as many as we can while we still have time. And we do that through our soul winning ministry, our program. And we teach soul winning in this church twice a year in the fall and in the spring. The next program is coming up very soon. You'll want to get on the bandwagon and join us. Cost you a whole ten dollars if if you've never been part of it. If you've been part of it before, it'll cost you $5. If you absolutely don't have the money, I'll pay your way. I just want to see you in the soul winning course. But it doesn't stop there. God has blessed us not just with the church, not just with missions, not just with soul winning, but He's also given us a wonderful bus ministry. And through that, we're able to reach boys and girls and moms and dads. And we've got some in church today as we sit as we speak, we've got fruit of the bus ministry. And our bus ministry is still in its, its uh, uh, baby stages, if you will. Boy, we've got a lot of streets we want to cover. We're going to need more workers and more buses. But what a rich ministry that is. And it doesn't stop there. God has blessed us also with a full-time Bible college of our own. And we don't have hundreds of students, we just have a small handful of students, but it's a full bona fide Bible college and they are getting the best of the best, a four year full 130 hour credit program to get a bachelor's, they'll get a full training, they'll get a full bucket full in our Bible college and we give them good training. And we train full time workers how to serve the Lord and we train Christians how to live for Christ. It's as if God, listen to this, it's as if God has blessed our church with four wonderful children. Our four wonderful children as a church include mission, soul winning, bus, and Bible college. Count them. We got four kids, folks. Hallelujah! You know, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, if you've ever read Psalms when it comes to kids. Our church with its four wonderful ministries is the means through which God has given us in order to fulfill the vision that He's given us. And as long as we have the vision to see the lost people and to reach the harvest of souls here and around the world, then we will always be a happy church. We will always have joy. And I've heard this so many times from people that ours is a happy church. A number of of you folks have gone On holidays, you visited other churches, some good churches, fine churches, but you've all told me the same thing when you come back. There's no place like home. Oh, it was a good church pastor, but it wasn't like ours. That speaks volumes to my heart. We're not a perfect church, I know that, because you don't have a perfect pastor. We have a perfect head. His name is Jesus, but the rest of the body is still in the perfecting process. Have you noticed? Well, I believe that as long as we see the vision and do it, we will have joy and rejoicing fulfilling our calling. But listen to me, folks. Brothers, sisters, listen to me very carefully. Years from now, should the day ever come when we begin to lose our heavenly vision, if the time should come when we begin to lose our spiritual sight of the harvest fields of the world, and their teeming millions of lost souls, if the day comes when our spiritual eyes begin to grow dim, then I can assure you as I stand here today, that will be the day that we, as a church, begin to perish. That is when it will begin. Where there is no vision, the people perish. When we start losing our vision of the mission fields of this world, then we'll start quickly losing our vision to save the lost. And we will start. Here's what will happen. When we lose that vision, we're going to focus on creature comforts. That's what we're going to do. If the day should ever come when we lose the vision of trying to reach the world with the gospel... We're going to become an ingrown toenail and we're going to be more concerned with creature comforts than anything else. That is the day. We will cease to walk by faith and we will walk by sight. Soon after our faith begins to fail us and die, we will start questioning the bus ministry. Oh, it'll happen. If we lose our vision of the mission field, we'll begin questioning the bus ministry. Is it really worth All of the time and all of the money and all of the effort that we're pouring into the bus ministry. Is it really worth it? And soon we'll begin laying off our bus workers. Soon we'll begin selling our buses. Soon the bus ministry that once lived and thrived will lay dead on the cutting room floor is what will happen. Because it's happened to other churches. We will have committed the abortion... Of one of our children. Maybe we should call it infanticide. Grace Baptist Church will have begun to perish. But the cruel truth is that the the abortionist is not content with just one abortion. And you say, why is that? Here's why. Listen carefully. Because the death of a vision will always result in the abortion of ministries. It's always that way. That is the formula. That's what happens, folks. And this church that once so thrilled with the vision given to us by our victorious Savior, this church will become a spiritual abortion clinic. It won't stop with the bus ministry. The ministry of worldwide missions will soon be called into question. It will be made to stand with its head bowed before a judicial committee A committee that will look for any possible reason to commit spiritual abortion. And it won't be long before the the committee will say, what further need have we of witnesses? And the bloodbath of missionary abortion will begin. Missionary support will will be cut in half. And then it will be cut in half again. And then it will be cut again until it is dead. All in the name of progress and saving money. And as the vision dies, the people perish. The ministry of soul winning will no longer be fed and cared for. People will no longer be trained and encouraged to be part of soul winning. Go soul winning. And this precious child of ours will also die. And finally, the ministry of our Bible college will be pushed around on the boardroom table. And the visionless perishing people that run the church at that point will Will say that no one really wants to go to Bible college anymore. All of the young people, they want to go to their secular universities in order to run after their careers and their high paying jobs. They're pie in the sky. And so, with a stroke of a pen, our Bible college will close its doors forever. Oh, beloved, hear me, please, hear me. Don't let this happen. Continue to feed and care for the spiritual children. What you feed and what you care for is what will survive and thrive. Over the last 2,000 years, students of church history have seen this pattern happen over and over. Churches start good. They have prayer. They have soul winning. They have missions. They have great church meetings. But then one day the prayer declines. One day after that, the evangelism dies. After that, the meetings aren't so good anymore. The missionaries die out and are few and far between. And finally, the church itself dies and closes its doors. And students of church history see this happen over and over and over. Listen, I'd like you to take your Bible and please turn to the last book of the Bible. And that's the book of Revelation. Would you turn there with me now, please? the book of Revelation, and I'd like you to direct your attention to chapter 2. In chapters 2 and 3, our Lord Jesus delivered seven letters. He dictated seven letters to seven churches in the Asia Minor area. The very first church to receive a letter was the church in Ephesus. And this church was a good church. This church had a good beginning. The church at Ephesus had prayer. Prayer meetings with good prayer. The church at Ephesus was involved with Saul winning and evangelism. The church at Ephesus was involved in supporting missions. The church at Ephesus had great meetings. But time had passed. Maybe some of the early leaders and founders of the church had gone to heaven. A new generation had come on the scene Revelation, the book of Revelation, was written somewhere around 90 A.D. The church at Ephesus may have been 40, 50 years of age at this time, maybe a bit more. But Jesus still loved the church. And he wrote them this letter here. And he said in verse 2, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. Verse 3, and hast borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Watch verse five, 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. And here it is. Here it comes. Because thou hast left thy first love. Thy first love. I'd like to suggest to you that their first love was not soul winning. Their first love was not missions. Their first love was not great meetings and deep Bible studies. Their first love was Jesus. He is the first love. You think of it, how much sense it makes when you think of your first love and when you first saw that that person and how you just heard music play. The chemistry was there. Your eyes opened wide. Whoa, Whoa, hello. A pastor friend of mine, who's now in heaven. When he was in Bible college, he met his sweetheart. He ended up marrying. Her name was Aloha. And he, he walked up to her and said, uh, Hello. And um, she said, Hello. And he said, What's your name? And she said, Aloha. And he said, What does that mean? What does that name mean? And she said, Well, it's, it's Hawaiian. And it means hello. And so he answered, Well, Hello. And she looked at him and said, it also means goodbye. (laughs) They were married and served God for many, many, many years, decades and decades as missionaries, winning many souls and starting churches. Just recently, he went home to heaven. I miss him. This church at Ephesus, when they first met Jesus, oh, to be with him. And they would think about Him and anything they could do for Jesus. But time passed and all that changed. Say, I wonder if that's happened to anyone here today. Maybe it's been a number of years since you first met Jesus. Maybe it's been a long time since your mind was filled with thoughts of your Savior. You just couldn't wait to be with Jesus. You thought about Him. You talked to him. You read his word. Jesus, what have we got today? But time passed. Years have gone by. And maybe for you, your life, your Christian faith has become just business as usual. And I suggest to you, you might have left your first love. He hasn't left you. You might have left him. He hasn't stopped thinking about you. You've stopped thinking about him. He hasn't stopped praying for you. Maybe you've stopped praying to Him. He hasn't stopped longing to be with you. Maybe you've stopped longing to be with Him. And this was a problem here, a prolific problem, an important problem that needed to be dealt with here in the book of Revelation chapter 2. Verse 5, look what Jesus says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent. Hear those words, Christian? And do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. And this good church that had so much going for it, one day disappeared. I'm wondering today, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. I'm just wondering today if you can really see the vision that God has given. Can you really see the world with its teeming billions of lost souls that need to hear the gospel? I'm wondering if you still have that vision that you once had. You meet these people every day, don't you? These lost people, they come into your store or your place of business. Maybe you work with them. Maybe you live beside them. Oh, listen, maybe you have lost people in your home and family. And you've just totally forgotten to pray for them, to witness to them. The lost people you see every day, they're just people. You see them on the buses, you see them driving by in cars. They're just people. You don't know them. Where's your vision? When was the last time you prayed, Lord, save that person? Lord, I don't know who this one is, but please get the gospel to them. When was the last time you prayed, open mine eyes, Lord? You see, last Sunday, that's what we talked about. Open mine eyes, Lord. Today, it's give me a vision, Lord. Give me a vision. I'm wondering if you need to come and get your vision renewed. You get your eyes checked, don't you? Maybe we need to come to Jesus today for a spiritual eye checkup and get our vision renewed so that we realize once again why He's left us on earth. It's not to make a bunch of money so we can buy a nice house, so we can have a comfy retirement. It's so that we can get about our Father's business, being part of of reaching the world with the Gospel. That's our vision. And God has given us a wonderful church, hasn't He? Aren't you happy with your church? Aren't you happy with the four children God has given us together? It's like the pastor and the church together. We're like husband and wife and we've given birth to four wonderful children. The soul winning, the missions, the bus, the Bible college. These are our children. Listen, I beg you with all my heart, don't let them die. Don't let them down. Care for them. Feed them. Pray for them. Hold them up. Encourage them. They're the future. Now listen, maybe you're here today and these things that I've talked about, they don't mean much to you. Maybe you're here today and somehow you're, what is he talking about? It's possible, it's quite possible that you're spiritually blind. You're spiritually dead. If these things have have no effect on you, if they don't mean much or anything to you, it could be that you need Christ. I ask you, will you be made seeing? Would you be saved? Would you come to Christ today? In a moment, we're going to have an invitation. You don't even have to come forward on the invitation. Right where you are, in your heart, You can talk to Jesus and you can tell him what a mess you are, how you're separated from him because of your sin. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, if you were to die in an unsaved condition, maybe your friends and family would go to heaven and you'd go to hell. You know, some people are even crazy enough to think, well, I'll go to hell and then I'll just, you know, they'll weep and cry over me for eternity. My friend, there's coming a point where God will erase you from their memories. Heaven wouldn't be heaven if people are weeping over loved ones in hell. It may be an awkward truth to get a hold of, but you will be forgotten. Your loved ones, your family in heaven will be rejoicing and they'll forget all about you. That's an awkward truth, isn't it? Oh, listen, why not run to the Savior today? Why not lay down your weapons of rebellion? What is it that's keeping you back from being saved? Is it money? Is it a person? Is it some fanciful dream? What's holding you back from coming to Jesus? Come to Him today. Ask Him to save you and come in your heart and be your Savior. He'll do it. And then you'll start to really taste what joy is all about. Let's stand to our feet now for a word of prayer.